0: What does it mean when we say that God is eternal? Does it mean that he's existed for an infinite span of time? What does it mean? We're going to talk about it today on biblestudypodcast.org starting now. Hello everybody and welcome once again to org. Today is Wednesday, November 19th of 2008, and I'm your host Toby Logsdon and welcome to our next lesson in our study called Knowing God. And of course, the purpose of this series is to study the attributes of God so that we can know more about God. We're basically talking about what we do know about God as revealed in both scripture and in nature. So anyway, welcome you guys, I'm so blessed to have you here, and especially if you're joining us for the first time, thank you for joining us. I do have one request though, I I got some emails from you guys this week, I guess there was a little bit of confusion with last week's episode, and uh, I guess a lot of you aren't listening to these in order, and so if you get confused, before you guys email me, uh, make sure that you go back and listen to any lessons that you haven't already listened to. So anyway, but if you do have any questions, you can email me me at cleanslate.ministries at com. But anyway, hope you guys are having a fantastic week. You know, now that we're going into the fall season, uh, man, it's just gorgeous outside. The weather's beautiful. Uh, By the way, next week we won't have a Wednesday lesson. I will be in Nebraska at my wife's grandparents' house. So uh, that's where we're spending Thanksgiving. Should be a lot of fun. We haven't seen them in a long time. And, uh, you know, it's always good to be with family over Thanksgiving. But Anyway, if you guys didn't listen on Monday, uh, I did bring a request before everybody on Monday that I, I want to make known to you guys as well. You know, I've never taken a salary from BibleStudyPodcast.org or from Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries. This is something that I've always done uh, kind of pro bono, you know, just doing it uh, in my spare time, extracurricular. So uh, one of the things that I'm going to need to do as I'm getting ready to plant a church here is I need to raise uh, financial support, whether that's, you know, sending a letter out to my friends you know, just like missionaries do. Uh, And so I'm looking for people who are called by the Lord to support this ministry and the ministry that I'm going to have with planning the church. So if the Lord's leading you to support my ministry next week, I'm going to have a number that I am going to need to reach. Uh, Christina and I are going to sit down sometime this week or over the weekend and try to figure out exactly what our budget is going to be and how much uh, financial support we're going to need to raise. But that's something that I'm just asking you guys to pray about at this point, is to pray if the Lord is leading you to support my ministry. So if you would, I would just, I'd be blessed by it just to know that you've even prayed to consider it. But anyway, let's go ahead and get started today with a quick word of prayer. Father God, we just come to you today, and we thank you so much for your word, we thank you so much for revealing yourself to us. Lord, it's so awesome to consider your eternal nature, and for some people it's very difficult to understand, and so Lord, I just pray that today our minds would be cleared, and that we would be teachable, so that we could understand you better through this lesson, and that you would be glorified through our knowledge and understanding of you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, of all the attributes of God that we've covered up to this point, um, you know, they're all pretty fairly well understood and accepted by the majority of scholars and uh, philosophers and theologians and pastors and Bible teachers and so on and so forth. The one exception up to this point might be the topic of our previous lesson on God's immutability. As I just told you guys a minute ago, there was apparently a little bit of confusion. Some people just didn't exactly get what it means for God not to be changing. And that's okay. Uh, let's, Let's just move forward with our study here, and hopefully it'll all make sense in the long run. But, you know, there's probably no attribute of God which is more debated today than God's eternality. Now, I know it's surprising that anyone would question God's eternality, especially Christians, but it is one of the most, if not the single most, controversial, of God's attributes. And much of the controversy stems from a lack of understanding as to what it means exactly when we say that God is eternal. So let's start this lesson off by giving a clear definition of what we mean when we say that God is eternal. Now, when we say that God is eternal, we're saying that God is outside of time to say that god is eternal does not mean that he has existed for an infinite span of time which is a common misconception when we're talking about the eternality of god the very term infinite span if you look at that term just by itself infinite span is actually self-defeating since by definition a uh, span or a span of time has a beginning and an end so to say infinite uh, span is kind of nonsense. And further, it's impossible to have an infinite sequence of events or moments. Let's say that you wanted to, uh, to chart history, and so you drew a line, and at the right side of that line, you labeled a mark, you know, you put a little uh, slash there, and you label that as today. Is it possible to have an infinite line leading up to today? Well, if you think about it, of course not, because today would mark the end of all sequences of time, all moments within time leading up to today. Uh, and if there's an end to that sequence today, then there can't be an infinite sequence leading up to today. So there can't be an infinite number of moments leading up to this moment. Um, and this takes a little bit of time to digest. I realize it's a little bit complicated, but you know this is a self-evident truth that is fundamental to, to any discussion of God's eternality. And keeping in mind that it's impossible for there to be an infinite sequence of moments, uh, we don't affirm that God has had no beginning and therefore has existed for an endless sequence of moments or an endless uh, amount of time. Rather, we affirm that God exists outside of time and beyond time. He's not even within the scope of time. And this is what it means when we say that God is eternal. The word eternal is not synonymous or interchangeable with the word infinite. Now, it's difficult to read through an entire chapter, let alone an entire book, of the Bible without finding some type of support, either implicit or explicit, for the notion that God is outside of and beyond the dimension of time. Starting with the very first verse of the Bible, we read that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Of course, that's Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And the word heavens here refers to the universe. So we could say that in the beginning, God created the universe. One of the dimensions of our universe is time, which is inseparably linked to space. And therefore, because space is part of God's creation, time is part of God's creation. If time is part of God's creation, then he must necessarily exist independently of and outside of it. And with this in mind, when somebody asks, uh, and this is a common question, what did God do before he created everything? Or why did God choose to create the world when he did? Uh, we can see that this is really a nonsensical question because it presupposes that there are befores and afters with God. God created Time because he created space, and he is thus outside of time. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 is thus speaking of the creation of time by God, not creation within time. In Psalm chapter 10 verse 16 we read the Lord is king forever and ever. There's support there. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 tells us that Jesus, who of course is God, will be called quote, "mighty god, everlasting father." Isaiah 57:15 tells us that God lives forever. Jeremiah 10:10 10, 10 says the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. In John chapter 17 verse 5, Jesus prays to the Father he says now father glorify me together with yourself with the glory which i had with you before the world was and in 1 corinthians chapter 2 verse 7 paul writes we speak of god's secret wisdom A wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, he tells us that grace was given to us, that is the redeemed of course, in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, we read that God, quote, has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. In Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 8, we read, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. Now, is Peter telling us here, when we look at this verse, is Peter telling us that every uh, 1,000 years, God progresses from one day to the next? Or what's he telling us here? Of course he's not telling us that God progresses from one day to the next. This is anthropomorphic language telling us that time is basically of no concern to God, and it's not something that is even within his realm. What determines the length of a day? Well, the sun does, right? The sun is what determines the passing of one day unto the next. Well, God created the stars, that is the suns and he created the planets and therefore he isn't governed by them. There is no time for God. So obviously this verse, Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 8, is telling us that God is outside of time. Clearly, there is abundant support for, uh, throughout Scripture for God's eternality. And keep in mind that when God is spoken of in temporal terms, it's because we're temporal beings with temporal finite minds. We have to speak in anthropomorphisms in order to understand God's eternal nature. And I realize that this creates confusion, but we must reconcile the verses which speak of God being outside of and beyond time with those which seem to speak of him in a temporal sense. Now, as with the attributes of God, which we've previously examined in this study series, God's eternality flows logically from his other attributes. First of all, the fact that God is pure actuality, logically implies that God is eternal, because everything that is within time has potential, and that's because all temporal things have a past, present, and future. For God, He exists in an eternal now. There is no past, present, or future for God. And as we'll see when we get to the lesson on God's foreknowledge, this explains why God has exhaustive knowledge of all things past, present, and future. If God has potential, and something with pure actuality cannot have potential, so if God has potential, then he is limited by what is currently actual and what will or can be actualized in the future. And if this is the case, then God's not ultimate either. Rather, he would be uh, becoming more and more and more ultimate with every passing moment. But God can't be greater or more ultimate than he already is, has been, and forever will be. God is the ultimate being. He cannot increase in knowledge. He cannot decrease in knowledge. He already has exhaustive knowledge of everything. He is unchanging because he is Eternal. And because he's eternal, he doesn't have potential. Because he doesn't have potential, he is pure actuality. Secondly, the fact that God is a necessary being, which is something we covered a couple weeks ago, uh, logically implies that God is eternal. There's no potential in a necessary being to not exist. By definition, a necessary being must necessarily exist. Well, time is contingent upon space, and space is contingent upon God, and so therefore, God must be eternal since he is the necessary cause of these contingent things. Third, God's eternality flows logically from his unchanging and immutable nature. All things within the realm of time change, because time is a means of measuring the change that occurs from one moment to the next. And with this in mind, it's logically impossible for God to be within the realm of time, because if he were, then he would be constantly changing as time passes from one moment to the next. As uh, St. Augustine wrote, you guys might be familiar with him, uh, St. Augustine's Confession, Uh, St. Augustine wrote that, quote, the distinguishing mark between time and eternity is that the former, of course that is time, does not exist without some movement and change, while in the latter... The latter being eternity, there is no change at all end quote Thomas Aquinas was another one who commented uh, extensively on this, and he noted that in a thing quote which is always the same, there is no before and after end quote in other words, an unchanging being has no before or after uh, since that being is unchanging, and therefore always the same. And then Aquinas also added, quote, those things are said to be measured by time, which have a beginning and an end in time, because in everything which is moved, there is a beginning and there is an end. And then he continues to say, thus eternity is known to from two sources. First, because what is eternal is interminable. That is, it has no beginning nor end. And secondly, because eternity has no succession, being simultaneously whole. Quote. And so therefore, God is necessarily outside of time and is eternal because he is unchanging and immutable. I realize that all of this may seem very, very difficult to grasp. But like I said in our lesson on God's simplicity, when we say that God's simple, we don't mean that he's easy to understand. Uh, This is definitely proof of that, is it not? But anyway, let's go ahead and move on to some objections to God's eternality. And believe me, they are abundant these days, but we're only going to have time to address just a a couple here. Uh, The first one, the most common objection, is that if God were outside of time, then it would be impossible for God to do anything, because in order for him to act, he would have to have a time prior to and uh, following after his action. If God does things within time, he must be temporal, and therefore, it is argued, God is not eternal. Uh, This is actually an argument presented by Christians. But anyway, in response, we affirm that God, in his being, and essence, uh, that is ontologically, he is prior to time, but he is not sequentially or chronologically prior to time. And there's a huge difference between saying that God acts in time and God exists within time or has become confined by the dimensions of the time-space continuum. Now, for example, you know, if I mix dirt and water together, what do I get? I get mud, right? But do I become mud? Of course not. I don't become mud. And in a similar way, God created time and space, but he isn't part of the time-space continuum. He's able to act from eternity within the time-space continuum because he has perfect and exhaustive knowledge, foreknowledge, of what will occur within the time-space continuum. And he thus acts from eternity within time, but he himself is not within time. He acts from eternity within time, but he himself does not exist within time. So when God created the world, uh, for an example of God performing an action, he did so from eternity. So it makes no sense to say that before creating the heavens and the earth, uh, God was eternal, and then after creating the heavens and the earth, he was temporal. Uh, That would imply that God's very essence is changing, but it's impossible for God's essence to be changed. Uh, Dr. Geisler notes that prior to creation he was God but not creator that is at creation God gained a new relationship but not any new attributes so his essence didn't change rather he just gained a new relationship and the error of this argument really stems from the fact that it presupposes that in order to act in time uh, requires that God be governed by time. To act in time he must be within time. Yet the argument fails to demonstrate that God himself actually exists within time. Rather, all this argument does is demonstrate that God acts within time. Uh, there's no evidence to support the notion that he exists within time. So anyway, a second objection to God's eternality is based on the fact that Jesus, who is God, became a man. And a man, by his nature, is temporal and finite and thus confined by time. Therefore, it's argued, God became a temporal being in his nature when he became a man. And in response, we answer heresy. Yes, this is a heresy. The error here is that it assumes that God's divine nature became human rather than that the divine person became human. The human nature of Jesus did not Become divine, and the divine nature of Jesus did not become human. Rather, Jesus had a nature that was fully God, and therefore fully divine, of course, and fully man. And we affirm only that the divine person became human, not that the divine nature became human. And this would be the same as saying that the uncreated became created. Uh, You know, that doesn't make any sense. That's uh, just as impossible as it would be for a created being to become uncreated. In fact, this heresy is actually referred to as the monophysite heresy or Eutychianism. Uh, Yeah, don't worry about the spelling on all that stuff, but it's called Eutychianism, and it was actually rejected by the early councils. Now, in closing, you know, it comes as no surprise that there are a lot of groups out there which explicitly deny this fundamental attribute of God's nature. Mormons, as we've noted in our previous lessons, do not worship the same God that Christians do. They don't worship the same God. It's a false God. The false God of Mormonism is not eternal but had a beginning he changes on page 345 of the book titled teachings of the prophet joseph smith we read uh it says god himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man and sits enthroned in yonder heavens we have imagined that god was god from all eternity i will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see End quote so there it is folks plain as day. That's a teaching from Joseph Smith. Obviously, Mormonism is as different from Christianity as night and day. And a second group, which uh, we've made note of in previous lessons, can be found in our own pulpits, in our own churches, and throughout evangelical circles. This group, of course, is referred to as um, open theists or process theologians, and they believe God is in a constant state of change, and that he is within time. And because they believe that God is bound by time, they deny that God is eternal. They believe that he's infinite, but they deny his eternality, despite the fact that doing so actually defies logic. I do believe that this group consists of Christian brothers and sisters. I wouldn't say that they are a cult, um, because they do unlike Mormons, they do adhere to the essential doctrines of orthodox Christianity, such as uh, you know the divine nature of Christ, salvation by grace through faith alone. Uh, they agree that there is one God who exists, uh, you know, in a in a triune nature, etc., etc. But however, they fail to apply logic to their position, and thus I believe that they fail to interpret Scripture correctly, and as a result of their poor interpretation of Scripture, I believe they have failed to reach a comprehensive, logical uh, understanding of God's nature. Fortunately, however, having a complete understanding of God's nature is not a requirement for salvation, and it's it's not a requirement for being a Christian. So anyway, if you guys have any questions, again, you can email me. My uh, email address is cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. Uh, I do try to answer your uh, emails personally. Every email I, I do try to answer personally, and I get between 50 and 100 emails a week from you guys. So uh, I do keep myself busy with this stuff. And so anyway, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. But anyway, God bless you guys thank you so much for listening today i'll see you next time on bible study Podcast.org. keep growing closer This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org, a para ministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus.